Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So today, without further ado, we have um, Luke and Amanda Eicher with us from Sturgis, Michigan. Now, whenever I, I've been to Sturgis a few times now, and I've enjoyed it every time I've gone there. The question always asked is, is that the place where they have all the motorcycles? No, it's not, okay? It is not. That's North Dakota, right? Sturgis, North Dakota. Sturgis, Michigan is a town of about 10,000 people, I think. And uh, it's a, a wonderful community. And Luke and Amanda took over from Ross and Jennifer Gerber. They have spoken here before. I don't know if you remember them. They uh, led the church for a number of years. And then I think it was four years ago, they turned over the church to Luke and Amanda. I actually had the privilege of going that Sunday and being there when they were set in. And so Luke and Amanda have been doing an amazing job in Sturgis, and the church is growing, and um, I think it's like over 400 people now, right? Something like that. Like, it's really growing, and God is doing good things there. So we're really blessed to have this couple. They're a dynamic one-two punch, as it were. They're a, they are a team. They're one of the most team-oriented couples that, I, that we know. They are key people in our network of churches, Lifelinks International, and uh, that Val and I and this church is part of. So I want to encourage you to give a big COTR Calgary welcome to Luke and Amanda Eicher. Thank you. So good to be here. I've wanted to come uh, to Calgary to Church of the Rock since uh, Ian and Val moved here. I don't even know when that was, six years ago? It's been a while. This has been on my bucket list, of course. Calgary, place of the 1988 Winter Olympics. When I think of Calgary, I think of Eddie the Eagle. Such a quirky movie, but uh, it sucked me in. It was a lot of fun. Um, So, hey, it's great to be here. Um, Being in a theater is actually interesting. It's brought back some conviction this morning. I actually feel the need to repent of when I was younger. uh, I went to a movie with my sister. We were on vacation in Florida, and we went to a movie, and then after the movie was over, we hid in the theater and then went to another movie without paying a second fare. And so I actually, Ian, as you were talking about baptism and repentance, I just feel like I need to repent and say, uh, God, forgive me for that. For Yeah, maybe we should do baptism afterwards as well. <laughs> I'll drop 10 bucks on the way out. Uh, that was in Florida. Um, but hey, it's good to be here. It's, Nice to see all of you. Um, I'm Luke. That's my wife, Amanda. There's our family up there. We have four daughters. Uh, The oldest one is Elena. She's 13. Then Riley is 11. Kenzie is 10. And Maya is 8. And so uh, they're awesome. I love my kids. Uh, When we're having them, everybody's like, oh, you're having another girl. Good luck. And, you know, I was like, I just wanted to punch them in the face. I was like, hey, this... I'm not violent. I, I actually, I don't know if I've ever punched anybody in the face in my life, but I have those thoughts sometimes. And I was like, dude, this is who God's given me for my kids. And so I've, I've always been excited to be a dad of girls, and uh, they really are a joy and delight, and they add a lot of beauty to our home. So uh, that's wonderful. All right, today we're going to talk about surviving your storms. And it's not a theological message. This is an encouraging message because we know that everybody goes through storms. 
And in fact, probably one out of five of you today are experiencing some kind of storm in your life, some, some kind of challenge, difficulty, trial. And maybe if you're not experiencing one at the present, you've just experienced one or it feels like there's one on the horizon. It's very relevant. And today is just meant to be an encourage to you, encouragement to you. We want to share our stories. Um, and we just want to leave you at the deposit that says, I can make it. I can do this. So before we get into the message, I just uh, had a word from the Lord for this church this morning as I was getting ready. I don't know if you guys follow the news much. Um, I'm, I like to follow the news, but maybe you're aware of the volcano going on in Hawaii uh, or the threat of the volcano. Um, right now, there's a lot of fissures that are spooling out lava and, and there's destruction. People are evacuating. And the sense that I had of the, from the Lord for you this morning uh, was that there has been a lot of pockets of the Holy Spirit spewing out and God doing a good work and doing a good move, but the big eruption is coming. The Holy Spirit is coming. I had no idea that today was Pentecost Sunday. Um, and in our prayer time, we were talking about fire and, and fire of the Holy Spirit. And, and I just really believe the Lord wants to say to you this morning that there is something big coming to this house, to this church. And there is a big eruption in the Holy Spirit. It's good. And in Hawaii, there's some fear because of it. But this isn't a fear or something that you have to be afraid of. It's something that you can anticipate and be excited about. And the verse that I had that God brought to me this morning in light of that, was in Zechariah uh, chapter 4. And it says this. This is when they were um, rebuilding the temple after exile. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And then a little ways down it says, um, who despises the day of small beginnings? And what I believe God's saying is that big eruption, not by might, not by by not by might, I just lost it, not by power, but by the Holy Spirit. It's nothing that you'll do. It's simply by leaning into the Holy Spirit that that eruption will happen. And don't despise those small beginnings, those fissures that are erupting now or those little pockets of good things because the eruption is on its way. So, Lord, we just say yes to that over this house. Lord, we thank you for your eruption that's coming through the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for the big things that you have for this church and that you want to bring through it. Lord, thank you uh, that you've given them really good, those good eruptions, those smaller eruptions, God, but that more is coming. And we just declare that over this church, that more is coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I survived a big storm. In 1983, I lived in Houston, Texas. I was two and a half, almost three years old, and we went through a hurricane. It was Hurricane Alicia. Uh, it was a Category 3 hurricane. 21 people died in that hurricane. My family survived, as you can tell. <laughs> we're glad, yes, I am too. We were from Michigan, and you don't have hurricanes in Michigan. But in, in Houston, there were hurricanes. And my parents told me the story of, of the fear that they felt and the unawareness of what could happen or what was going on. But at, let me tell you, as a two-and-a-half-year-old, I was excited. I was pumped. We got to climb onto my parents' bed and, and hang out there. And the, the lights were flickering and the power went out. And I, I remember this. I was young to remember. But it's one of my first memories, actually. The wind bustling through the house. We could just feel the wind and the loud rain coming down. And for me, it's a very positive memory. It was very exciting. For my parents, I've asked them about it recently. And they've said, no, that was not fun for us. <laughs> 
We were frightened. We didn't know what would happen. We didn't know the damage that would be done. We didn't know if, we, if our house would come down or, or collapse. My favorite part of this hurricane was the next morning after we had gone through on my parents' bed and listened to it and didn't sleep much, we opened up the front door the next morning and my street had become a river and it was fantastic to me as a two and a half. I remember standing, looking out my front door that used to be a street and a yard and it was a river. It was fully a river. I actually even saw a snake. Now I would scream and run far from it. Then I wanted to grab it. I was so excited. But you know, these storms that we go through many times are tough, are frightening. My parents' memory was much, much more difficult than mine. And, and what we really sensed as we prayed about what we wanted to bring this morning is that in life we go through storms. We all do. And, and I think there are three different types of people this morning that are here. One you're on the other side of a storm, you're, you're out of it, you're on the other side of it. But you know, with a, with a hurricane, one of the most beautiful features of a hurricane is after it's over, the coming together that happens in the community, the cleanup that happens, people rallying around, picking up the broken things. And I believe there are some here this morning that have some broken things from the storms of your past that need to be cleaned up. Bitterness that needs to be cleaned up unforgiveness that needs to be cleaned up. You think maybe you're okay and you're on the other side of it, but there is still some cleanup that needs to happen from that storm. The other group of people would be people that see the storm on the horizon. You're not there yet, but you can see it coming. You can see it, you know, the clouds or the tornado or whatever, you can see it coming, but you're not there yet. And what I believe God wants to do is give you some tools this morning to survive that storm. And the third group of people would be the group that's actually right in the storm right now. And you're just hanging on. You're huddled on the bed trying to just survive. The wind and the waves are crashing around you. You're in that hard season or in that tough spot. And you just are trying to survive. And I believe by the Holy Spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit that he wants to minister to your hearts this morning. You know, we read about a guy named Paul in the Bible and he went through storm after storm after storm. And if you're like me, I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't know who Paul was or, or know where to find that in the Bible. I got saved when I was 15. And uh, so if you don't know who Paul is, let me just give you a quick little background of who Paul is. Paul was Saul and he, he was a, a devout Jew and he was very religious and he went after the followers of Jesus to persecute them and to, actually there are scriptures that say he dragged them into jail and on his way to persecute some, some Christians, he met Jesus. The Holy Spirit, he was blinded and he went to a, a man's house and he met Jesus and then he was radically transformed and he was the one that brought the hope of the gospel to the Gentiles. And, and he was the apostle, apostle for the early church. Well, Paul went through storm after storm after storm. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked time and time again. He was thrown into prison. He was flogged. He feared for death. He nearly drowned. He went through storm after storm after storm. And this morning, I believe we can gain something from the lessons that we hear from Paul's life. And Paul said this in 2 Timothy 4, 7. Oh, Lord, let me say this at the end. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And wherever you find yourself this morning, whatever storm you've been through, 
you see on the horizon or you're in right now. Our prayer for you is that you would be able to say what Paul said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. So we want to give you three keys to surviving your storms this morning. Yeah, so the, the first key uh, that will be on the screen there is we need to lean towards God. We need to lean towards God. You know, like when that wind is really coming, you see those reporters who are on the beach and they're reporting on a hurricane. What do they do? They're leaning into the wind, right? Because if they don't, it's like they're unstable. They're going to get blown over. It, it's a heart posture uh, that we want to talk about first, and that's leaning towards the, the Lord, uh, leaning towards God here. And, and Paul writes from experience to the church in Thessalonica here. He writes these three verses that that give us a heart posture of leaning towards the Lord. It's this, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love the words that accompany there. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. What's he talking about? He's talking about a posture that we have where we're leaning towards God. We're leaning towards God by being joyful. We're leaning towards God by prayer. We're leaning towards God with thankfulness. Now, I don't know if, you, if you're like me, but those aren't natural. That's not like the easy response to so many things. When you face a storm, how many people are like, oh, praise God, a storm. I love this. I mean, sometimes in natural, it's exciting, right? But when you have a coworker who's like just driving you nuts and they're being mean, Oh, thank you, God, for that person. He's such a jerk. I'm so thankful for that, right? It's not natural. But there's this heart posture that God wants us to have to lean in and to lean towards him. And to not don't get blown around by the life that you're living, by the circumstances around you. Let's just talk briefly about each one of these. Joyful. Be joyful. It says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. There is a strength that comes from cultivating a joyful heart. There is a strength. Actually, if you do a, a study in the Bible of all the times that it talks about joy, it's almost always accompanied with like hard times. Like James 1 says, consider it pure joy when you face trials and tribulations of many kind. Joy gets you through hard things. And actually, I did a study on joy one time, and it talked about joy in the sense of it being able to carry a heavy weight and to stand up under it. That's a picture of what joy is in your life. It gives you a strength to stand up. Even though life seems to be piling on, you can stand. You can make it through. Hebrews 12 uh, talks about Jesus, and it says that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross and scored its shame. Jesus was able to endure the cross because of joy. What does that mean? It means that Jesus wasn't just looking at the pain and the trial and the suffering he was going through. He was looking beyond it. He was looking to the finished work of the cross. And that's what joy is for us. We're not looking at our situation and being joyful about that. We're looking beyond it. Joy is hope in action. It's like, I know that I can get through this because God has made a way and God is at work. There's joy. It gives you strength. We need that joy. We need to be joyful always. It's a way that we lean towards God. Pray. Pray continually. It doesn't mean that 
you have to like physically be praying and talking to God all day long. But it's kind of like my phone, right? You all got phones? My phone is continually connected. It's connected even here in Canada. I'm on Rogers. At home, it's AT&T or whatever. I don't know. But I'm connected. My phone's connected. And that's really what prayer is. It's being connected to God in an expectant relationship. So yes, absolutely, prayer is talking to God. It's a beautiful thing where he says, come and be persistent, bring your needs, pray in all circumstances, don't be anxious about anything. We can pray, we can talk, we can have a conversation, but sometimes prayer is also being still and listening. It says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes in your storm, you simply need to be still and know that he is God. A word from God can get you through just about anything. When God speaks to your heart, it's like an anchor for you, right? That word from God, it's an anchor that's going to hold you steady through a storm. Finally, give thanks in all circumstances. That's one of the hardest ones, to give thanks in all circumstances. Thankfulness is not a natural posture of anybody's heart. It's so easy to grumble and complain and to go down that road, but give thanks in all circumstances. God is at work. Romans 8.28 is a favorite verse of mine. I'll reference it several times today, but it says this. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God works for the good. Let me tell you something today. God is at work. God is at work. How can I be thankful in this situation? Because I can know that God is at work. God is at work. He's at work in our good. He's at work in the bad. He's at work in the ugly. God is at work. And when we're thankful, it's like we're releasing God to be at work in this situation because he wants to take even a hard situation, even a storm, and he wants to work good and bring good out of it. And thankfulness is a posture. It's a leaning in and saying, God, I trust that you are at work in this situation. Even if it's hard, if it doesn't feel good, I still trust you, and I'm going to be thankful even in this situation. Paul, Paul wrote this uh, letter to the Thessalonians. He wrote that out of experience. He wasn't writing as a college professor or somebody writing from theory. He was writing as somebody who's lived it, as somebody who's walked it out. And we can read about a time uh, when Paul lived this out. It's in Acts chapter 16. Um, and we're not going to read the whole thing. Let me just tell you briefly the story. Paul and Silas were on a missionary journey. They had others with them, and uh, they were directed in a vision to go to the region of Macedonia. There was a man who said, come help us. And so they sensed that God was leading them there. They ended up in Philippi, which was a Roman colony, of a very prominent city in that area. And they, they showed up expectant, knowing that God had called them there. And so almost immediately, it seemed like God was working. They met with Lydia, and her entire family was baptized. Yes, God's doing stuff. And then they just continued to meet and encourage people. And one day, uh, there was a slave girl that kept following Paul around, and she had uh, an ability to see the future. She, had, she actually had a demon, and that demon gave her an ability to tell people their future. And she kept following Paul around and telling people, listen to this guy. He's going to tell you about the way that you can be saved which was a great message, except she just kept doing it over and over again. Finally, Paul recognized that she had a demon possession, and he cast the demon out of her. That's exciting. God's doing something, right? God's at work. But 
What wasn't exciting about it was that her owners saw that they were no longer going to be able to make money from their slave girl fortune telling. And so they grabbed Paul and Silas and they drug them to the city center and they accused them. They said, these guys are throwing our city in uproar. They're, they're causing all kinds of problems in our city. And soon there was a riot and everybody rose up against Paul and Silas. It says that they were severely beaten. They were flogged. They were, they got their butts whooped. That's really what happened, right? Like they were severely beaten. And then it says they were taken to the prison. They were put in the inner cell with stocks on their feet. And you just imagine like going through that situation. It's like, God, you called us to the city. We're here. We're being obedient to you. We're doing your work. Why? Why am I in such pain right now? Why do I have a chain fastened around my leg? Why am I being persecuted? And I imagine, like, if I would be in that situation, I would be asking, why? How could this be? I want to quit. I want to give up. It's not worth it. And often we, fa- we face all those thoughts as we're going through hard si- times and hard situations. I want to quit. It's not worth it. But Paul and Silas did something different. They leaned in. They leaned toward the Lord. And I believe Paul said, hey, Silas, let's show people in this jail what it looks like to go through really hard things and still trust God. Let's show people what it looks like to lean towards God, even in a really hard situation. And it's on the screen there. This is their response to their storm. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. When it would have been so easy to complain and to want to quit, they leaned in and they prayed and they praised God. And that changed their situation. And not just their situation, but as Ian referenced earlier, the jailer himself saw that it looked like everybody had escaped and he was going to take his own life. And Paul said, don't do it. We're still here. And they were able to share the gospel and the hope of Jesus with the jailer. And it says, even that night, his entire family was saved and baptized because they chose to lean towards God in a hard situation, because they chose to believe that God was at work. Not just them, but other people were impacted by that choice to lean towards God. When you choose to lean towards God, even in your hard situation, it's not going to just affect you. It's going to affect other people as well. You're going to make an impact by choosing to lean towards God. Let me tell you a story about a mother. She was 35 years old. She had four children. The oldest was eight. The youngest was two. Three boys, one girl. They were farmers, um, Seemed like things were going really well. Well, one day the six-year-old decided to cross the street to go to grandma's house. The only problem was the six-year-old was hit by a car as they were crossing the street. It was actually a busy highway. And the six-year-old was killed on the scene. A tragic event. Terrible disaster. Well, the mother was devastated. It actually threw her into a deep depression. Uh, she, she almost became tormented. It was like this oppression that just weighed on her. She couldn't get away from it. Uh, it became very 
rocky and unstable in the home. There was a lot of fighting between her and her husband. Uh, even, even the mom sometimes would have to leave for like a week at a time because she just couldn't even be around her own family. She was so deeply affected by the loss of this child. Why, God? Why? Why did you allow this to happen? One day as she was in prayer, she felt like God spoke to her and showed up and said, I want you to thank me in this situation. She said, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too hard. It's too personal. The wound is too deep. I can't thank you for this situation and that I'm going through this situation. And she pushed it away and she continued in deep depression, torment, and she continued on and on until one day, crumpled in her closet on the floor, just completely broken. She said, okay, God, I don't understand why, but I choose to thank you for this situation. I choose to give you thanks and to trust that you are working all things together for good in my life. And it was a breakthrough moment. That oppression left her. The depression lifted. She was freed. It changed the relationship at home. It was like light all of a sudden was shining in the house again. It just completely changed everything. And it was all at once like the relationship came back together with her and her husband. And uh, it wasn't long uh, before God spoke to both her and her husband that they were going to have another son. And uh, they did. They had another son. And then a couple years later, they had another son, two more children. It was like what the enemy stole, God replaced and brought back. And the, the family was restored. It was awesome. I was the second boy. And that was my mom. And I'm here today because my mom leaned in. She chose to lean toward God. When you choose to lean towards God, it doesn't just affect you. It affects others. Posture your heart towards the Lord. The second thing we can do in our storm is we can fix our eyes on Jesus. Paul went through quite a storm on his way to Rome. It's found in Acts chapter 27 and 28. Uh, It's a storm that he didn't ask for. Actually, he even warned against Uh, He was, I'm not going to read it all. You can go back this week and read Acts 27 and 28. It's a fascinating story. This is probably Paul's third shipwreck. He had been in two before that. Um, And the time that they were leaving, they were traveling to Rome. They were on a grain ship. And so the way that the grain ships were set up, they actually weren't built to face heavy, strong winds. They were meant to carry uh, grain, and they weren't meant to carry or to go through heavy, forceful winds. And we know when we read this scripture, there's a certain scripture that says it was the time when the fast was over, which gives us a clue to what the season was that they were traveling on this uh, trip and journey to Rome. It 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 was hurricane season, actually. It was between September and November, which was hurricane season. That's right when that fast would be over. And that was actually a bad time to travel. But because of their timeline and because the the owner of the ship wanted to get there, they pressed on. And Paul even tried to warn them and say, this isn't the right season. We need to just dock and not go. But they went anyway. And sure enough, a storm came. He was in a storm that he didn't ask for, that he even warned against. And the storm was so bad, it just ripped their boat. It tossed them to and fro. The wind and the rain were so strong, they hit the nor'easter, which is hurricane force winds that came. They didn't eat for two weeks. And Paul did just what Luke was talking about in the storm. He leaned in. 
he spent some time with the Lord and the Lord came and he spoke to him. And just when all hope was lost, let me find the scripture. Acts 27 to, or 20, it says, The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. Paul found himself in a spot where all hope was gone. There was no hope for survival. Yet, he leaned into the Lord. And an angel came and spoke this in Acts 27 and said, But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Keep up your courage. In the midst of the storm, when all hope was lost, Paul leaned in and the Lord spoke to him and said, keep up your courage. And he declared that over all of the people in the boat. Keep up your courage. Yes, we're going to crash. Yes, our boat will be totally destroyed, but not one of us will be lost. God will provide a way out for us and he will take care of us. And that's a word that God's speaking over you. Keep up the courage. Don't lose that hope. God has a way out for you. And they landed on the island of Malta at a place that was called Fair Havens. And when they got there, they were building a fire. And just when they think they're out of the storm, Paul reaches down to kindle the fire and a snake latches onto his arm, a poisonous snake. And isn't that what happens? We get through our storm, we think, and the enemy just comes and latches on with this toxic poison. And Paul was able to just shake that off. And then the miraculous was released. There was healing, healings that came. The chief of the island's dad was sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul prayed for him and he was totally healed. And then it says that they brought all their sick and they were all healed. You know, sometimes we go through these tough storms. And when we get to the other side of it, there is miraculous that can be released. And there's something that God's teaching you and forming in you as you fix your eyes on Jesus that releases the miraculous in you. And I just believe, I don't know, what's your name with the beard? Colton. Well, Colton, I just sensed as I was sitting here that there's something in your life where you feel like all hope has been lost, but God wants to speak to you and say, take courage because I am with you. And as you fix your eyes on Jesus, he's going to bring you back to a season full of hope where all hope has been lost. God's bringing back that hope in you and you can take courage just like it says in the word that God is faithful. And Paul said, the God that I believe in, the God that I know, and God's just saying that you, Colton, you know me and I know you and you can take courage because I am faithful. Thank you, Lord. Well, I, yeah, let's thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God wants us to fix our eyes on him in the midst of our storms. And if you're in a spot where you feel all hope is lost, that's a word for you to take courage. He is with you. Well, I ran track every year from middle school through high school, and I hated every bit of it. Hated it. I hated it. And I loved it at the same time because I am competitive by nature. And I had a coach that saw something in me, saw probably that drive and saw that, comp- that competitive drive and that, that willingness to press through hard things. And he told me that I had to 
to run track, that I had to do it. And I said, no, no, no. And he said, no, you are. So I did it my first year, and I said, coach, I'm not going to do it again. It's too hard. It's too painful. I don't really like it. He said, no, you are. No, I'm, I'm quitting this year. Nope, you're not quitting. Yes, I'm quitting. I'm out. Nope, you're not quitting. And the truth is I did it every single stinking year. I did it. Every year I did it. And I ran hard and I pressed through and he made me, and I say made me because I did not want to run this one particular race. We ran relays. We were quite good. We made it to state every year. We did, we did a lot of really great things. There were some good lessons that I learned. But this one particular race that he made me run, it was called the 400-meter the dash. It was one lap around the track. It's a, it's a sprint. And it's so painful, at least for me. Some of you are probably natural. For me, it was so painful. And I would always beg my coach, do I have to run it this time? Yes, you do. We need the points. We need to do it. Okay, all right, I'll do it. I'll press through. I'll do it. So I would start running that race. Um, and the first part, you know, you get out on the blocks and you take off hard and you come that, that back stretch there where you just have to keep sprinting, but you would come around to the home stretch and you would hit that wall so hard and it would hurt so bad. And in that moment, I would want to give up every single time. But my coach stationed himself at the end of the finish line and he was a big, strong football player. He played football in college. He was a big guy with a booming voice and he would start yelling at me as I turned that corner, don't you quit. Don't you quit. Don't you give up, Amanda. You run your race. Don't you quit. You get to that finish line. You run that race. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. And I would press through and I would fix my eyes on my coach, not on the pain. I would fix my eyes on my coach and I would run my race and I would finish strong. And just as I would cross that finish line, when I was just so weak from that storm, I would want to fall and collapse, and he would scoop me up, and he would say, you walk it off, you go walk, you press through, don't you quit. And God wants to speak that to our hearts this morning. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. You run your race. You finish that strong. You keep the faith. Don't you quit. Whatever storm of life you're in, wherever you find yourself, if you're on the other side of it, if you see it coming, or if you're right here in it, don't you quit. You keep the faith. Fight the good fight. God has plans for you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I gave up once. I didn't have the same coach Amanda had. <laughs> the same determination, I guess. Um, I want to share a story about a time in my life when I gave up. And I do that emphasizing our last point, which is trust God no matter what. Trust God no matter what. When I was 10, I remember one evening I was playing Nintendo. Does anybody play Nintendo? Ever played Nintendo, right? Like, I'm talking the original, like, Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt. Now I got, like, this little retro box with 5,000 games on it. And I was like, man, these games all stink. Like, why was I so into it back in the day? Anyway, it just seemed like a normal night uh, playing on the video games. And I remember my my parents came home. And I I wasn't even really aware uh, of where they went. Um, But they came home and they said... Uh, turned that off, and they called the whole family together, and we had a family meeting, which we had never had, like, never had a family meeting like this that I could remember. So they called us all together, and they dropped a bomb. Um, 
and they said, well, your mom hasn't been feeling too good lately, and today we found out she has cancer. She has colon cancer. And so we talked about it, and they said, you know, we believe that God uh, can do miracles, and we believe that God can heal her, and so we're going to pray, and we're going to have faith, and we want you guys to all be a part of this with us. We're going to do this as a family. We're going to pray for mom. And so every night, we would gather around and and pray for mom. And I, I knew all the prayers. I knew all the scriptures. By his stripes, I am healed. Mom would march around and stomp on the head of the serpent. And, you know, it, we, we had some really great, powerful uh, family prayer times. Um, mom did chemo, radiation, had surgery, uh, the whole bit. And uh, I, I remember uh, the summer we went on a family vacation to the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. We had a great time, family reunion. And I remember... Uh, when we came back, it was time for school to start, and I remember mom getting tired more frequently. Like, she just didn't have the same energy she had, and, you know, I was a boy and busy with life and school and sports and just kind of kept going about and pressing on, and one day I came home from school, and they had a hospital bed in the living room, and mom was in the bed, and she couldn't get out of bed, and there was people from church there, and they were all praying for her, and I just remember not even knowing what to do in that situation. Well, the next day she had to go to the hospital. And so after school, again, we went and visited in the hospital and the room was packed full of people. Everybody's praying. And I remember it was time to go home. And I kissed mom on the cheek and said, I love you. And I left and that was the last time I saw mom. The next morning, dad was waiting at the bottom of the stairs and he said, I'm sorry, mom didn't make it last night. I was 10, and that's hard. I remember crying myself to sleep a lot. You'd start asking all the why questions, right? God, why am I making my own breakfast? Why am I doing my own laundry? Why? Why? Why didn't you heal mom? And I wrestled with it, and I just started to give up on God. It was junior high, and started to do my own thing. I had some pretty wild and crazy friends and just started to live for myself. I went to church to please my dad, really, um, but that wasn't me. My heart wasn't in it. Uh, it was just a body taking up space. Uh, my heart was into lots of other things. And I pretty much gave up on God, but God didn't give up on me. And after about three years of living for myself, faking my way through church and youth group. Uh, I don't know what happened. It was just like a normal Sunday morning, probably like this. Um, I don't remember a word anybody said. I just remember church was over, and I was by myself in the hallway, and I just had this thought. God, if you're real, I want everything you have for me. And I, I just had this genuine desire, like, God, if you're real, I want it. And if you're not real, I don't want to waste my time anymore. Like, that's where I was. And so I basically said, you got a year. I'll give you a year to, to reveal yourself to me. And so I began to start a relationship with God again. I, I got a Bible, and I just started reading it. Um, but I... It was different. I was reading it for myself, and I was reading it with a different filter. And I, I began to see, as I read through story after story in the Bible, uh, that these people's lives were a lot like mine. They had really good times. They had really hard times. There was triumph and victory, but there was also 
heartache and loss. And what I realized was that God was there in every story. God was faithful and God was present in every story. And I began to realize that God had been present in my life through the ups and the downs. And I just began to say, God, I trust you. And I'll never forget uh, working my way through the Bible and coming to Romans 8.28 for myself. My mom had come to it for herself, but now it was my turn. And I flipped open and one night just reading through the Bible, I read Romans 8.28 and it says, and we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. And I remember just saying, God, I believe that. I believe that you are at work in my life. And I want to continue to give you permission to work in my life through all the good, the bad, the ugly. I trust you. I trust you no matter what. I, I, I developed that posture that we read about in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Lean not on your own understanding. And I just, I came to a place where I believed and I trusted and I went through my own no matter what moment where I basically just said, God, I'm going to walk with you no matter what. And that moment was tested throughout my life, but I've always been able to come back and say, God, you're going to work this for good. You're going to work this for good. I believe, I trust. I'm going to lean towards you. I'm going to fix my eyes on you. I'm going to trust you no matter what. I tell you what, 10 years ago, we went through a situation at our church that was really difficult. Um, I had just come on staff. Uh, we had a really hard situation going there. Amanda and I were having some hard uh, things going on at home. It was a really hard season. I remember pulling my car into a, like a vacant parking lot behind a factory, and I just kind of went through all of this again, right? I, it was the come back around the mountain like we do. I came back around the mountain. Why, God? Why is this so hard? Why am I going through this? I felt like Paul and Silas, like I just got beat up and it hurts and I want to quit. God, what's going on? And I was in that moment, I just, I remember in that car, something just rose up inside me. And we need to come to a place where we have this moment in our life where it rises up inside me. And I just said, I will not quit. I will not quit. And I remember just yelling at the top of my voice in the car. I will not quit. Satan, you will not have the last word in my life. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to press on. I'm going to get through this thing. I will not quit. You will not have my testimony, but God will. That is going to be my testimony. I tell you what, I want that same testimony for all of us. If I have one heart for the church, it's this, that we would not quit, that we would fight the good fight, that we would finish our race, that we would keep the faith. Don't quit. Lean towards God. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Trust the Lord no matter what. Let something rise up within you that says, I will not quit. Amen. We're speaking to ourselves here. I want to invite the worship team to come up. I know that God's doing a good work in all of our hearts. I, I, um, I think any of us have been through a storm, see a storm coming, or we're in it right now. And God has a response for each of us in it. There are tools that he gives us. We can lean in, posture ourselves before the Lord. We can fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And we can trust God no matter what. And declare and speak to our souls and say, I won't 
give up. I won't quit. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I had two dreams that I want to share with you guys because I believe it's for somebody in the, in the room. I had a dream two nights ago that there was a civil war going on and there was a battle within family. You know, a civil war happens in your own land with your own people and, and there's a battle that goes on and in the American Civil War, family was fighting against family. And I believe there's some in this group, maybe more than one, that are in a bit of a civil war with people that are supposed to be safe. Whether that's family, whether that's coworkers, whether that's people just close to you, people that you would assume are safe, they're not safe right now. And there's a battle going on, there's a storm going on. And if you find yourself in that spot this morning, I'm, I'm gonna pray for you as we, as we close. And the, the second dream that I had last night is that there was a draft going on for a war. That, that people without choice were being drafted to go to battle and to go into a war. And, and I believe there are some in this room like Paul who didn't really have a choice to go on that ship in the midst of storm season where you find yourself in a spot where you're getting drafted, you're being forced to go out into this storm and you didn't ask for it, you didn't choose it and you're almost saying, why do I have to go to this draft? Why do I have to walk through this storm? And I believe God wants to show you that he is near and that he's close to you in the midst of this battle and in the midst of this storm. Would you just close your eyes? God has something for each of us this morning. And let's just go to the Lord now and let's just respond. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here this morning and you haven't actually had an encounter with Jesus and you haven't met the living God, today's a great day to meet him. I remember meeting Jesus for the first time when I was 15 and finally experiencing the love that I had never felt before, knowing that Jesus died on the cross for me and that I would have eternity with him and forgiveness. If you find yourself in that spot this morning and you say, I want to meet the living God, the true God, then he's here to meet with you today and I'll pray for you. If you find yourself on the other side of a storm, You've survived it, but now there's some cleanup that needs to happen, some forgiveness, some healing. God says, I have healing for you. I have forgiveness for you. I want to rip out the bitterness in your heart and heal all things, the poison where the enemy is latching on and trying to hold on. God wants to take out of our systems and free us. If you see the, the storm coming, certain situations in your life, God wants to say, as you lean in, as you fix your eyes on me, and as you trust me no matter what, I'll get you through that storm. Or maybe you're in it right now. You've been drafted into it, or that civil war, those close relationships that are meant to be safe that aren't safe are there. God wants to bring freedom. So Jesus, we respond to you this morning. We say yes. Holy Spirit, we say yes to all that you have for us. Lord, I want to pray for that first group. Anybody here that doesn't know you, God, I ask that they would say yes to you in Jesus' name. That they would say yes to the one that loved them first. 
And Lord, that they would even pray as I'm praying, Jesus, thank you that you lived and died for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me free. And I receive salvation today from you. Let me know the true living God. And Jesus, I pray for anybody that has gotten through the storm, but there's some cleanup that needs to happen. I ask God that they would forgive. I ask that they would take the bitterness out, that they would remove the toxins or the poison from the enemy. Lord, that they would go after the cleanup. If they need to meet with somebody for, for prayer, if they need to really dig into their word, whatever you have for them, God, I pray that they would go after that. And I pray for the group that sees a storm coming, God, I ask that you would give them the strength in their bones to fight that storm, God. That you would give them everything that they need to, to fix their eyes on you, to lean into you and to trust you no matter what as they face that storm. And God, I pray for those in the storm right now that they would take courage, that all hope wouldn't be lost, but all hope would be restored. God, I ask that you would be with them as they are hanging on by a thread. Speak to them not to quit, not to give up on you. And for anybody, God, that feels like there's a bit of a civil war going around, on around them, relationships that used to be safe that aren't safe anymore, brokenness and families or close relationships, God, I pray for healing. In Jesus' name, I pray that that civil war around them would stop. In Jesus' name, I pray for reconciliation and restoration. Father, I pray that there would be healing. In Jesus' name. And for anybody here that's feeling drafted into a storm that they never chose, I pray that you would be with them as well, that you would give them a strategy, that you would give them hope. God, we release your Holy Spirit in any area of our lives that we need hope. And I just declare over this house that good things are coming and we can hang on to hope. We will not quit. We will not give up. We will fight the fight. We will keep the faith. We will finish our race. Lord, let something rise up in us. Lord, we've seen you move mountains, and we know that you'll do it again. And we say yes to all you have for us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.